If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. G'day and welcome. I hope you're having a terrific day. Hope your uh, 2024 so far is everything that you hoped it would be. And uh, I guess, as I said before, if you think positively, if you believe this will be a terrific year, you can make it. So I'll tell you something that will make it that little bit more terrific. And that is that Chris Smith will be returning to TNT tomorrow at about uh, about two hours before now, wherever you happen to be. So look at your clock, wind it back two hours, and that's what time he'll be on tomorrow, wherever you happen to be in the world. We're going to be talking to some terrific people today. One of them is Dr. David Adler. He is the president of the Australian Jewish, uh, Jewish Association. Of course, uh, lots of Jewish people have been coming under attack uh, lately, lots of physical assaults, certainly lots of verbal assaults, and we'll see if we can get to the bottom of that and a uh, uh, rise of anti-Semitism, not just here in Australia, but certainly around the world. And uh, that conflict doesn't seem like it's going to resolve anywhere near as soon as any of us would have hoped, and uh, we'll get his views on that as well. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with him. Some of the other people that I'll be talking to today is uh, Billboard Chris, uh, also known as Chris Elston. He's a guy who gets around the world, literally is a living billboard. He wears one of those, you know, front and back with the straps over your shoulder. And he's very anti-transitioning children. And why wouldn't you be? Um, I think anyone who who can think logically, I think anyone who likes children, who advocates for their long-term physical and mental health would uh, do, well, I don't know if you'd go as far as Chris does, but you'd certainly share many of his beliefs. And I dare say um, he comes under a lot of attack for doing what he does, but I'm very keen to have a chat with him sometime today. Of course, we will be joined imminently by the wonderful Gemma Cooper as well to find out what's happening in your part of the world, wherever that is. And uh, a couple of things I want to talk about today. I'll do the Anthony Albanese one second. Here's something, people in chat, I would absolutely love your view on. This is this is odd. This is really weird. And I've got to uh, say, okay, so imagine you're a couple and you've had two children who have tragically died in accidents, one in a car accident, one in a, a boating accident. And you would be mortified. I mean, I, I don't think any of us, unless you've gone through that, could possibly even begin to imagine. I mean, what it must be like to lose one child, let alone both, all of your children, would be absolutely horrific. Now, so having said that, if I was to say to you that the, the husband recently passed away mid-December of 2023, the wife went to the court in WA and asked if she could extract semen from the corpse of her dead husband because she wanted to have a child. And again, you're probably still with me thinking what a wonderful tribute. He he goes on, um, the wife gets to, um, you know, uh, in lieu of his departure, gets to raise another child and you're still thinking it's all good until you realize a couple of things. One that the woman, is past childbearing age herself. In fact, worse than that, she is 62 years of age. One could argue that she has to live to 80 years of age just to raise this child to be an adult. Uh, likewise, she is, because she's past childbearing age, she has to find a surrogate. It gets worse. In WA, you can extract that tissue from your departed spouse, but you cannot do anything with it in WA. For that, you would have to 
across the uh, a couple of borders, head up to somewhere like Queensland, who do allow that. And um, they had planned on doing this before. They had planned to, they had a relative who was overseas and they were looking at going and doing that. But uh, certainly um, the only option now is to have some, somebody from overseas, a much younger person, be a surrogate. And then you could argue that child growing up will never know the biological father, may never know the biological mother, and will be raised by a woman who wants the child that will be half similar, I'm guessing, to two of the kids who are now departed. I mean, the whole thing is all rather odd. Um, let's read you this. The posthumous use of sperm, uh, so I'll just start again. Yeah, so it's a, a posthumous use of sperm, so the child will never know it's dad. There's going to be an egg donor to have the sperm to inseminate the eggs, and we're going to then transfer the embryo to a surrogate. Now, there's a couple of steps on top of those. The risk posed is because the man was an older man himself. He would have been in his mid-60s. It doesn't say his age here. I'm assuming that he was slightly older than the wife who's 62. And uh, the other thing that we know is that any sperm that has been taken from men, whether it be posthumous or otherwise, is likely to have an ext extraordinarily high chromosomal abnormality rate. So the child could be born with complications. And that's something that um, many parents would find very difficult to uh, take on, would uh, probably not take that risk and certainly wouldn't take that risk at the age of 62. But I'd love your thoughts on, on that. But um, certainly you can see it as a tribute to the departed husband. I do get that. And part, he would probably love that. I don't know, but it's very, very difficult. Something else that may be a little bit difficult to swallow is the truth. And Anthony Albanese apparently is all of a sudden interested in the truth, maybe not when it comes to himself and those around him or the labour unions, not any of that. But when it comes to historic incidents dating back to 2002 or thereabouts, 2003, for the Iraq war. Why? Now, I'm in two minds about this one as well. Why? Because I don't think we should have ever gone to Iraq. There we were, 9-11, a bunch of people on a plane. How many of them were from Iraq? No, most of them were from Saudi Arabia. Did we go and invade Saudi Arabia? No. Did we go into Iraq? Did we go there on false pretenses? Is that news to anybody that that, that was on false pretenses? I don't think so. So why is Anthony Albanese all of a sudden, despite the fact that he is quite happy to send some troops, no ships, but some troops over to the Red Sea. So he's happy to get involved in various um, incidents, wars. But uh, I think it's just to make himself look good, to make himself in comparison look like somebody who would never go to war for any reason other than uh, a reason that is certainly one that you and I would agree with. So uh, your, your thoughts on that in the online chat, I would absolutely love that as well. Um, if you uh, want to do that, yeah, get on the uh, website, tntradio.live. It is just that easy. Now, don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can listen to us or watch us easily live anywhere, anytime. In fact, it's available to download right now, keeping you up to speed on today's news talk, TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we've got the wonderful Gemma Cooper joining us as she does this time uh, every day. Hey, Gemma, how are you going? Yes, very good. Thank you. Very good, Dean. Terrific to uh, see you and hear you again. I've got to ask, I don't know if you heard uh, much of what I was saying about that 62-year-old uh, woman who lost both of her 
children, a husband just passing away late last year and wanting to have his child um, at the age of 62 with uh, potential complications. That's when it's very hard to um, to uh, call, isn't it? It is. I mean, did I hear you say heard, hear you use the word surrogate though? She wanted to extract the semen and then use a surrogate to carry yeah, the surrogate, baby. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, even so, I mean, you've got children, haven't you? You know how yep. hard it is. It's hard work with children, little babies, toddlers running around, and then teenagers with all their concerns and worries. I mean, it it does surprise me that somebody at the age of sixty two would want to go through that again. But of course, when you've lost children, that's probably the worst thing that can happen to anybody, isn't it? Losing a child, then you lose your husband. It, I'm sure you're thinking is 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 different it would be different after suffering so much loss and trauma in your life that that you you would cling to what you can what you can in this world but it isn't it is against nature you have to admit that um but you know if you've gone through what she's gone through maybe you'd be willing to take that chance yeah now it's a very difficult one i mean i had a uh, or have a friend who is in his mid-70s and recently lost his dog. And I said, are you going to get another dog? And he said, no, because I don't think I'll be around long enough to to look after that dog, you know, for the rest of its life. So, I mean, if somebody's prepared to say that in regards to uh, an animal um, with a limited lifespan compared to a human, I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense too. But then again, I mean, it's a, a just an, a, an amount of loss that none of us, I think, could even want to fathom to lose not just one, but both of your children. So that's just one that I, I thought I'd mention solely because it's so unusual. And I really didn't know. It's uh, very rare that you don't know, you don't have a, an opinion, but you don't know if that's right or wrong. And the, I guess who's it right by and who's it wrong by? I mean, some people could argue it's wrong on the Australian taxpayer to possibly have a children, a child that could be born with abnormalities that the taxpayer will have to pick up on. And if somebody's not old enough to take care of it uh, until it reaches adulthood, or potentially that could be a thing, but just things to think about. But uh, certainly the Queensland uh, uh, sorry, the Western Australian courts are going to have a bit to say about that over the days to come. Gemma, what have you got for us today? Well, it's a story that's just broken here in the UK this morning, and uh, it uh, it has echoes, uh, I think, for anyone seeking compensation from the government. And we all know that people with vaccine damage are seeking compensation. We do know that people with vaccine damage have had payouts. We have had the maximum payouts awarded of 120,000. But reading this story today, it's an investigation, actually, that's revealed this, is that I'm wondering how much is being withheld. Um, I don't know if you're aware in Australia, but we had a scandal in the UK. Uh, it, it started uh, more than 20 years ago. It's to do with the post office, and it is the UK's worst ever miscarriage of justice. I mean, in a nutshell, the post office here in the UK installed a new computer system in 1999 called Horizon. Pretty soon, it started reporting losses a lot across loads and loads of post offices in the UK uh, that, that people's income wasn't matching, that their profits weren't matching what this new computer system said it should. So the post office launched its own internal investigation and prosecuted 700 sub-postmasters and postmistresses, um, and 230 were jailed after the post office accused them of fraud and theft. Um, and it was all because of this dodgy computer system, which staff had started warning from the start. Postmasters had said from the start, there's something wrong with this system. We don't think it's working properly. And the post office said, no, no, our system's absolutely fine. It's you. You lot are all thieves. You lot are all committing fraud against us. You lot are going to prison. And hundreds of people did. Many committed suicide. Many lost their homes. Many of their children had to sell their own homes to pay for the legal costs. And it turned out it was IT. 
you could say it was AI, actually. <laughs> IT wow. was at fault. Yeah, it's the, it's the UK's biggest ever miscarriage of justice. Now, six brave sub-postmasters and postmistresses in 2019 took the post office to the high court. They took them to court, just ordinary working men and women. And that, the judge ruled, yes, it was the Horizon IT system. Then they all started claiming compensation. And they are still waiting four years after winning that case. Now it's been revealed this morning. They're still waiting for their compensation payouts. Many have died, four people have committed suicide, and the, the leader of the campaign is warning this morning that many more are likely to die because of the age of these people now. You know, they're in the 70s and 80s, some of them. Many more will die before the government actually pays uh, what these people are owed. I mean, I, how can you fathom what these people are owed when you look at what they've been through? Many, many went to prison. It's absolutely outrageous. I mean, this story just makes my blood boil, really. Um, the leader of the campaign is today saying that... Uh, it's delays on the government side. It's the lawyers on the government side. Every time you submit a piece of evidence, they're saying we want more evidence, we want more proof. What more proof do they need? The High Court has already, they've won their case. Um, and they're saying they know that, they, that this is delay tactics because they know that people will die. They know that people are heading towards, you know, the age where people do start dying, 70s, 80s. Um, so still, even though they won, even though they were brave enough to take the government to court, to take the post office there to court, they won their case, they're still waiting for payouts. And obviously we do know that so many people now have got vaccine damage, vaccine injury, are also going to the government saying we want compensation. I wonder how many more of those are waiting for payouts too. We hear about the ones that have won. The people that win their cases, you know, you've pretty much had either had to have a relative die with vaccine compensation or your injuries themselves are so severe, it's completely undeniable. Um, but this is just a story of how, you know, the system is geared for the system. It's not geared for the people like us that are just the normal working people who, you know, these people put some of them put their life savings into post offices and took on becoming sub postmasters and mistresses at a later stage in life so that they could relax a bit and enjoy their lives together. And this is what happened to them. And it was all because of technology, all because of a computer glitch. And the other part of this story, to this day, not a single boss of the post office has been held to account and much less face criminal prosecutions. And they always denied, they always denied, Dean, there was anything wrong with their new brand spanking Horizon computer system. They always denied it, even though there were internal warnings and even though post office staff right from the start said, we're not sure about this new system. We're not sure. Let's have a look at it. No, they didn't believe them. And some of them went to prison and some of them committed suicide over this. And they're still, still this morning, Dean, waiting for their money, waiting for their compensation. It is beyond horrific. Did I hear you say there were a couple of uh, suicides along the way as well? Four wow. suicides. Four people committed suicide. They couldn't handle the shame. They couldn't handle being with fingers pointed. You know, the post offices, if you think the quintessential image of the post office, a lot of these people held, you know, positions of quite respectability in, you know, English villages and English market towns, um, you know, the postmaster. It's it's a very respectable position, you know, and these people had the finger pointed, oh, you're a thief, you've committed fraud. You know, they killed themselves. They killed themselves. And it's just this, you know, any time that we think that, that maybe maybe we've got it wrong, you know, and the system's not wired against us, the system's not wired for corporate greed, the system's not wired for those at the top. You see a story like this, the worst case of UK miscarriage of justice ever. And you think, no, the system's geared against us and we go to work and we pay our taxes and we prop the whole system up. But when it's, you know, when it's the other way around, and we want help from the system. Forget it. Yeah, I think it's just horrific that the people are the ages that you said, you know, some of them in the late 70s or 80s. 
and there they are waiting for compensation. I mean, for God's sake, give them the money now. Let them enjoy some of it. Let them, uh, and some would argue it might go to their children or their partners. The simple fact is they were the ones that were the hardest done by and they should get to uh, uh, at least enjoy some of the, uh, the compensation while they're still old enough or still around, I should say to do it. I hope that is the case and uh, we'll be following that very uh, closely. Uh, Gemma, thanks to you. We appreciate it. Gemma Cooper, thank you. And you'll be back next hour here at TNT Radio. Coming up after the break, we've got Dr. David uh, Adler. He's a graduate of the University of New South Wales, also the president of the Australian Jewish Association here at TNT. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. From weather and traffic reports, to news of political developments. We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program, of course, after the Hamas terror attacks, and that's exactly what they were. On October 7, we've seen a rise in protests, not just here in Australia, but all around the world, but certainly a rise in anti-Semitism. It has been rather horrific. There have been several attacks that I am aware of personally, and uh, it started almost immediately after that on Jewish people, people just going about their day, going about their business who had nothing to do with 
any of this and who are just uh, the usual suspects going after them, unfortunately. Um, we're going to get to my next guest, Dr. David Adler. He's a medical graduate of the University of New South Wales. He writes frequently on political issues. He's a regular commentator on radio and television. He is also the president of the Australian Jewish Association, and he's known to be outspoken on issues affecting the Jewish community and is an advocate for Israel. Welcome to the program, Dr. David Adler. Uh, thank you, Dean, and thank you for helping to put a spotlight on this important issue too. Mate, lots going on. Mate, the first thing I've got to ask, uh, because uh, the one thing that immediately always comes to the fore for me is the kids. How are the kids at the Jewish schools going? And uh, hopefully there's lots of uh, uh, security at the moment, because I could imagine that would be the, the first thing that we think of. Uh, look, if you went to uh, look at any of the Jewish schools, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, where the major Jewish communities are, um, you'll see armed guards out the front. Uh, you will see secure fences. You will see uh, closed circuit television monitoring uh, 24-7. Um, there's had to be a lot of uh, security in the uh, Jewish schools. It's unfortunate that this is actually required in Australia. Uh, it's had to be enhanced significantly since the 7th of October, as you've implied. Uh, the other problem we have with kids is that the Jewish uh, children in public schools uh, and on university campuses, I guess they're youth rather than children, uh, are subject to harassment and bullying. And we've seen quite an increase in harassment and bullying. There have been a couple of uh, court cases about anti-Semitic bullying. There was a big one in Melbourne in involving uh, Brighton Secondary College and uh, compensation was awarded. That was bullying over a long period of time. But we've certainly seen it increase in the last few months. Yeah, mate, I, I just don't understand why people go after uh, people who are simply Jewish, who are out there having nothing to do with it. I remember there was a 44-year-old Jewish man who was beaten by a crowd of pro-Palestinian supporters, and that was not long after the war kicked off back in early November. And then, of course, there was that horrific story about a, a Jewish doctor down, I think it was in Melbourne, who was almost 80, who was simply putting out his bins when he was set upon, um, simply because he was Jewish. I mean, I just don't understand it. There have been quite a few assaults. Um, there have been death threats, and I can tell you, Dean, that I have personally received a significant death threat in writing with my name on it, um, which was referred to police and uh, forensic examination and all these sort of things. Um, but a lot of people have received uh, generalised threats, and uh, we've seen graffiti, we've seen calls to boycott uh Jewish businesses. Uh, so right across the board, a whole range of incidents have occurred. And uh, I would argue, you know, this is this is un-Australian. This is not the sort of country uh, we want in a liberal democracy. Yeah, mate, that's the first thing that uh, I think I have to agree with. I mean, of all, it, it is at the fore, Australia. We were never like this in Australia. At what point did we, we were the melting pot? And uh, I would have hoped that would continue to be the case. But unfortunately, we see this on the rise. The numbers are horrific. I, I look at the numbers. I mean, Victorian police figures, and this is just from Victoria, uh, had no less than 153 anti-Semitic incidents. And that was just between October and December 20. So that was in, again, just in Victoria alone. And uh, 28 incidents of were anti-Muslim. So if you have a look at that, 
Jewish people are 32 times more likely to be set upon than vice versa. And again, it does seem to be one-way traffic in that particular street. It, it is exactly one-way traffic, particularly when you look at the significant incidents. See, the, those statistics don't tell you much about the nature of the incidents. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago with counter-terrorism police because we had been giving them quite a lot of information. Uh, they want to be aware. They're supposed to investigate and hopefully bring to justice some of the perpetrators. And I asked them this question uh, because we would want to know if our community was causing any trouble. Unfortunately, many, not all, but many of the uh, threats and incidents arise out of the Muslim community directed towards the Jewish community. So I asked them, uh, have there been any significant threats from the Jewish community towards the Muslim community? And you know what their answer was? None. Zero. None. Yeah. No significant threats. So when you say one-way street, that is spot on. That's very apt. That's exactly what it is with regard to the significant threats. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's terrific to have the moral high ground here in Australia, uh, and it's just crazy that they continue to happen. I, there have been all sorts of death threats, assaults, verbal attacks. But have these tapered off since the beginning of, of the new year? Uh, look, in, in the last uh, fortnight or so, uh, it, it has been a little less, uh, thank God. Um, maybe uh, those who are the various keyboard warriors making the threats or uh, in the protests have been told to cool it or have got sick of it, and maybe some of them have been brought into line uh, by the police. Um, we hope it don't doesn't flare up. Uh, unfortunately, the conflict in the Middle East, some people try to bring it into Australia, which we, we think is ridiculous. I mean, wh whatever your view of the politics of the Middle East is, there is no reason to go after uh, people on the streets of Australia. There are signs that the conflict is escalating uh, in the north of Israel, uh, involving Hezbollah in Lebanon and Syria. So we certainly can't be complacent and we are concerned that we could see another flare up over the next few weeks. One thing that surprised me, and it's the height of hypocrisy, I'm, I'm going to leave the Muslim uh, protesters out of this. It's mm. some of the uh, more Caucasian ones that have been amongst them. They're typically the type who have been, you know, anti-climate change and typically the ones always anti-racist, always chanting anti-racist, anti-racist. Yet I see some of the most racist behaviour from them that I've ever seen here in Australia by those exact same people. You're right. And it's, it's interesting. I've started talking about uh, the isms. If you are into the various political isms, which means socialism, communism, Nazism, and I guess Islamism to complete the set, then you are un against the principles of Western civilization. Western civilization, whether you're religious or not, doesn't matter, but it's based on Judeo-Christian ethics. Uh, they're the foundations. And where did that begin? It began in the land of Israel, both the Judeo and the Christian side. The Ten Commandments is the first written moral code for Western civilization, which expanded and developed into other things. So all these people who, as you say, are into the extreme left-wing causes of various sorts, uh, consciously or unconsciously, 
they become reflexly opposed to Israel and often cross the line into anti-Semitism. So we think there's something quite deep going on there. And those that tend to support the principles of Western civilization and individual freedoms, uh, those that tend to be centre-right conservative in, you know, politically, uh, are much more likely to be supportive of Israel and the Jewish community. It's a, it's a really clear trend that's out there when you observe it. Yeah, I have certainly noticed that. Now, it depending, doesn't matter what side of this particular argument you're on, I think most of the people who are incensed are incensed because, you know, there are children that have been hurt on both sides. That's why it absolutely beggars belief that I've seen some people, some of these uh, uh, anti-Israel protesters, getting young children to get up there at rallies and actually deliver speeches. I mean, why would you drag kids into, into this? It's indoctrination of the worst sort. Uh I would have thought with our falling education standards, uh, our, our kids and the teachers uh, and the community leaders should really be focusing on the sort of things they need to learn for their careers uh, to better their lives. To drag them into uh, political indoctrination is very similar, interestingly, to, a, to the techniques that Hamas uses itself. From the kindergarten level, they are role-playing uh, terrorist attacks against Israel and Jews. So to see this in Australia and to involve children in radical political indoctrination, uh, again, whatever your views are, it's, it's got to be wrong, Dean. Uh, it's not what children should be doing. They should be playing sport. They should be learning their schoolwork. Um, they should be enjoying life, getting skills, um, whatever. But to be used as pawns for political purposes is really morally wrong. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I have a particular problem with is that people will attack an entire race based on something that maybe a government does or a particular military does. And the simple fact is a lot of those people have nothing to do with that at all and uh, they want to drag them in and they don't help their cause by doing that, do they? Not at all. You, you are right. And we saw it with, um, you know, the attack on some of the, Christian activities over over Christmas, the attack on the carols by candlelight. I mean, what's that got to do with the conflict in Gaza? And, you know, the Christmas tree ceremonies in the US have been attacked as well. So they, they do seem to have this whole scattergun approach. It'd be very interesting with our next major community event in Australia coming up later this month, of course, is Australia Day. Uh, will you know, the, the radical political activists oh, yes. live Australia Day al alone or will they try to hijack the various Australia Day ceremonies? Yeah, they always do. As someone that worked in Talkback Radio for 14 years here, I, I just wouldn't take their calls. I mean, I always advocated I would take every call that came in, but I absolutely would not take people who were anti-Australia on Australia Day. It was the one day of the year that I absolutely refused to give people their say, and I would be a little bit bigoted, if you will, um, because I thought it was a day to celebrate everything that we have here, that we've accomplished, that we've built, and uh, there are those who just want to tear it down. And they don't understand at the end of the day, when you're going to create the vision, there is no, there are no winners in that game. Uh, Dr. David Adler, please uh, stay with us. We're going to be back right after the news headlines here at TNT. Today's News Talk Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. The White House has gone on the offensive, trying to convince Americans that President Biden is working hard to combat the immigration crisis plaguing the country. 
Israel has rejected a new deal tabled by Hamas that would have established a long-term ceasefire in exchange for hostages held by the group. And Russia has launched a fresh wave of airstrikes on Ukraine just days after carrying out its biggest aerial bombardment of the country since the war began. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. And we're back with Dr. David Adler, the president of the Australian Jewish Association. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Dean. It was in the news break, I, I noted there was some discussion about uh, Ukraine and Russia. And everyone knows that Russia has invaded Ukraine. We have in Australia, and not far from where I live in Sydney, a community of Russians and a community of Ukrainians. And we don't see them going after each other on the streets, and quite rightly so. They might have opposing political views about what's happening over there, but it's it, it's just another illustration about how the the Gaza issue, the Israel-Gaza issue, is being treated completely differently to any other conflict in the world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny because there was virtually talk of nothing but that particular conflict until, of course, October 7. Mm -hmm. And then you hardly ever hear about what's happening in the Ukraine or Russia. You do get the odd headline, but certainly not that mass focus that was on there uh, before. Of course, I'm guessing people are hoping that this whole situation is not going to blow right up and, uh, and, and you know, result in more and more people dying. But the simple fact is it, there's a good chance it probably will. And, um, you know, but mate, I, I have to just say what a brave man you are for being the, the face to the organisation and for advocating, uh, you know, for the Jewish people. I mean, I think that takes a tremendous amount of guts uh, and you're getting up there and you're doing it and you're doing it very, very well. Mate, um, it was suggested by some, um, I don't know if I agree with it, that, uh, you know, there was going to be pressure put on Israel from the US uh, until them what to do. I mean, I think the US should probably keep out of pretty much everything and allow countries to make their own decisions. But that's just my, my thoughts on it. But mate, with this whole conflict and and the way the way it's going, mate, what are your thoughts? How do you, where do you see it in a month's time? Uh, look, the, the authorities in Israel are saying that this is actually a medium term conflict, unfortunately, that it's likely to carry on for many months. For those who have seen some of the uh, coverage and some of the videos, the uh, the extent of Hamas infrastructure that they have uh, developed uh, both above the ground and below the ground, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, billions of dollars have been spent on making tunnels, on getting weapons, on manufacturing facilities, on integrating that into civilian in infrastructure, into schools, into hospitals, into mosques, anything anything you can name. Uh, although subject to criticism, Israel is trying really hard to minimise civilian casualties. But when it is, is so interwoven, it's a very complex uh, conflict. And frankly, there is no choice. Uh, just like 
the West had to crush ISIS when ISIS uh, became a force to be reckoned with and was doing horrific things, or go back further and the Allies had to crush Nazism. And in Germany, unfortunately, there were many uh, civilian casualties. Well, Israel is dealing with an ideology that is at least as bad as Nazism or ISIS, and that is Hamas. Uh, and you can't live next door to it. Uh, Israel has to eliminate Hamas. Uh, if they weren't concerned about the civilian casualties, um, this war could have been over on the 8th of October. <laughs> Israel has the firepower to carpet bomb the whole place, but they've actually sent people in there to try to surgically, as, as far as possible, uh, get the Hamas operatives. But it's an extremely complex uh, difficult military operation. They're doing the best they can. Uh, I, I think it's going to take months. Yeah, I, I said exactly the same thing of of Putin. I mean, that war, I think, again, could have been over over in a matter of weeks because of their ability. But uh, when you go to that extreme uh, caution to try and minimise the amount of people who are innocent, who perish, then that is going to be the case. Uh, Dr. David Adlett, I very much appreciate you coming on the program today. I appreciate what you do. And, uh, mate, for keeping us up to date, what's been happening, and I hope the situation improves for the Jewish people here in Australia. Always good talking to you, Dean, and uh, any time. Thank you, David. We're going to be back right after the headlines with a guy who does something very different. His name is Chris Elston, also known as Billboard Chris. Where? Right here at TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. G'day and welcome back to TNT. My next guest, I'm... 
I love what he does. I think it's absolutely unique. And on the scale that he does it, it is super unique. His name is uh, Chris Elston, known as Billboard Chris across the world. He does travel. He's a Canadian based in, I think, Vancouver. and uh, But he gets around the world. And what he does, he turns himself into a human sign, those billboards where it's a couple of big signs with a couple of straps over your shoulders. He gets out there and he's doing it for kids because we know here in Australia, in Canada, New Zealand, the UK, Everywhere, the uh, education system seems to be in lockstep with indoctrinating teachers to try and convince kids they are things that they are not. It is beyond horrific. It is grooming. It is child abuse. And without people such as Billboard Chris, um, this thing would just go unanswered and uh, they'd get away with it. But he's not going to let that happen. Billboard Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's still Tuesday evening for me. Getting ready for bed soon, but I'm very thankful that you're having me on. I do appreciate it. I've got a quote here from you, and I really do like it. Two sexes, zero genders, and infinite personalities and possibilities too, I would imagine. And that's something, I think that's the best way that we can look at this whole situation. That's right. That sums up everybody. This whole theory of gender identity is entirely a lie. We don't have a gender identity. We have personalities. That's all any of this really is. There's no such thing as a transgender child there's no such thing as being born wrong or being born in the wrong body. If a boy is more effeminate, well, that's fine. If a girl's a tomboy, great. More than half the women today were tomboys growing up. I give speeches all the time. I ask the audience. Most of the hands go up. Today, these kids would be getting taught that just because they defy stereotypes that they must be trans. It's totally ridiculous. And historically, if you look at kids who are really struggling with this condition called gender dysphoria, the majority of them actually grew up to be gay. But that's when this affected one out of tens of thousands of kids. Now you get schools where one out of 20 kids say they're transgender or non-binary, and they're just caught up in a craze. And we need to put the whole thing to a stop because there's no truth to any of it. It is. I mean, it is completely a craze. I mean, how any child can be aware of who they wish to be sexually uh, from any perspective before they even hit puberty is just crazy. Then they want to go and take away that whole system of puberty where the body builds and, and unfolds the way it should into adulthood. And they want to go and put puberty blockers in these kids. And that just wrecks them on so many levels. It creates a patient for life. Big Pharma is the only winner from that. And certainly it is horrific right. for these kids. But um, it, it was very interesting. I, I had a, a Debbie Hayton on, on here who is a... Um, identifies as a male, a transgender male who, born a male, is now a female, and says pretty much everything that we would say, which is quite rare. And she uh, writes for The Spectator over in the UK. But I think you, I, and her would agree on almost everything, saying there are only two genders. And it's funny because I, my question I'm going to ask you is, um, you know, even the ones who, as a young, at a young age, at three or four, would have said, I want to be you know, the opposite sex, and then grew up, and then the, and they did that. And that was Debbie. Debbie was quite happy to do that. But uh, Debbie said, I was really happy I didn't do it. I left it until later life. And this is the best part that really hit me, in, you know, hit me in the heart. She said, because, because I left it later in life, not only was I more mentally prepared to do it, I was able to have a family and procreate. And I think that is terrific. That's right. So there are a lot of trans-identified adults who do agree with us. I think the majority for sure don't, but we have no idea what these puberty blockers are doing to kids' brain development. 
We know, of course, it's stopping their secondary sex characteristics from developing. So girls' breasts won't grow, boys' penises won't grow, girls' hips don't get wider. It's causing them to lose bone density. A girl in Sweden suffered spinal fractures while she was on this drug. She has a condition called osteopenia, which is just chronic pain. And there are some smaller studies that show kids are losing IQ points. Even a study with sheep showed that there was cognitive decline. We have no idea what the lack of their own hormones are doing to their brain development. We have no idea what the opposite sex hormones are doing to a variety of things because this whole thing is an unregulated experiment on children. And we know historically kids who struggled with this from a very young age, kids like Debbie, well, the majority of them actually grew up and out of this. More than 80% of kids with severe gender dysphoria from a very young age that persisted into puberty, more than 80% grew out of it. So what are we doing transitioning kids? Modifying the body of a child. The word transition itself is almost a misnomer. It doesn't mean anything. We're doing body modification to children whose brains are still developing when many of them would just grow up and out of this. But we have no idea which kids will grow up out of it. But we should never be experimenting on these children. So the whole thing is just a giant mess. It's all based on a lie. And it's such a big lie that all the world's governments, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, all these TQ plus organizations, they're all pushing this. And because it's had so much support, I think people think there's some truth to it, but there isn't any of it at all. Now, I've got to ask the question. I mean, I would say the best thing about TNT is you're preaching to the converted. Almost everybody listening would agree with every word that you're saying. Um, so how does a man who, like you, one day go from thinking, as I do, that it's all wrong and that we should do something about it, to being the guy who actually does? Well... So I started learning about this back in 2019. And like most people, when you hear the word puberty blockers, people say, what? What are those? That's what I did. And I looked it up. And of course, they do exactly what they sound like. We're blocking puberty in children. That's insane. I've got two girls. They're 11 and 14 years old now. So they're a bit younger when I started this because I've been at it for more than three years. But anyone with kids can tell you how absurd this is. And I just don't want to live in a world that's doing this to kids. I don't want to live in a world where my girls grow up and society doesn't know what a woman is and they're having to compete against boys or men in their sporting activities the whole thing is just nuts so as you get older your priorities especially when you have kids it's all about your kids i've lived my young days i've had my fun days i want to leave a good legacy for my kids and i want to make sure my future grandkids are in a somewhat sane world and so i just decided to take a stand and the first thing i did was i put up actual billboards that said, I love JK Rowling. I followed the lead of Kelly J. Keene in the UK. <laughs> I love the it. one I put yeah. up in Vancouver got taken down because a, a Vancouver politician said it was hate speech, even though it had a big red heart on it. Wow. I did a bunch more in the US, but then because I couldn't do anything in Canada and I'm just a guy living out in the suburbs, I have no media experience or anything like that. I did the only thing I could do, which was had some signs made and I went outside and my goal has always been to start conversations, to have conversations and to start them. And 100,000 people might see me in a day when I'm standing outside. I might only have 20 conversations myself, but I record those. I put them up on social media, mostly Twitter. And this started very small, but today these videos get seen one or two million times on average. It's crazy how it's blown up, maybe a little less than that, sometimes more. And so that's helping to educate millions of people around the globe about how to talk about this, how to message on this how to deal with the objections that we hear from the trans activists or from people who are on the fence. And it's just creating awareness and all of the good work that happens in the world, like the lawsuits that are starting now, 
like the legislation that's happening in a lot of the US states. All of this is downstream from awareness. We have to first create massive amounts of awareness. We have to teach parents what's going on because when parents find out what's going on, some of those parents are lions inside and they're gonna take action. Javier Mille, the new president of Argentina, he gave this speech where he said he wasn't here to guide sheep, he was here to awaken lions. I love it. And that's a bit what I'm doing out there when I'm on the street. Because out of a thousand people I talk to, I know some of those people are going to get activated and they're going to start taking action in the real world to put a stop to this. And so all sorts of people are fighting this now. And I know it's just a matter of time until we put a stop to this child abuse. It's just a question of how many kids are harmed before we do. I mean, I loved when people like, you know, J.K. Rowling spoke up and then you had people like, you know, Posey Parker getting up there and the outrage. So when you did this, I mean, you knew what you were going to be subjected to, you know, you knew how vocal the group that we are opposing uh, can be. They become violent. They become verbally abusive. I'm guessing you would have copped a whole heap of that. <laughs> yeah, I certainly get a lot of that, probably especially in Vancouver. When you do what I do and you've been to so many cities all around North America and the UK, there's no denying this is a social contagion. You can see it just on the streets of Vancouver compared to when you go to Tennessee or Florida or somewhere, because almost all the young women in Vancouver will give me a hard time. The guys don't, but this is a social contagion that's really spread among the girls and the very young women, the college age crowd. And you don't get that in all the other cities. So if this was some innate thing, why is it so much more focused in Vancouver or in Ottawa or in just, different cities like Rhode Island, for example, in Providence, Rhode Island, you'll get more of this. But I do get abuse. I don't worry about it because that's just the world we live in. I get attacked sometimes. I've had my arm broken. I've had all sorts of things happen. I've been arrested twice after getting assaulted, but I'm just as calm as can be. I just take the abuse with a smile on my face. I video it. I expose it. And honestly, they're doing me a favor when they do that because those are the videos that go really viral because that's the nature of the internet. But whatever comes on the street, I'm just going to take it. I just keep having these conversations because it's working. And it does. I mean, it really does show up the bigots and who they are. And they're always on the other side of the equation. You're a Canadian. You've been to the US. You've been to the UK. You've been to Ireland. Um, which was the, where were you the best and where were you the worst received outside of Canada? <laughs> yeah, almost all the violence happens in Canada, although a bit happened in <laughs> The UK as well. I went to Oxford and I was really looking forward to touring the city a little bit with my signs on because it's so beautiful. But right away, someone from the university saw me, text messaged all her trans activist uh. friends, and I got surrounded in this alleyway and I couldn't move for a couple hours. Um, that was a bit crazy. In Ireland, it was really fascinating because someone in the Disney store purportedly reported that I'd gone inside to the store on Grafton Street, which is the busiest street in Dublin. I hadn't, I'd just been on the street and police came. And this police officer proceeded to tell me that under section seven of the criminal code, if I offended somebody, they could arrest me. <laughs> wow. And I said, what, what do you mean? I could have a sign that says, I think Ireland is beautiful. And someone could take offense to that. What? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really what they, what they personally take yeah. offense to or have been trained to. It's funny, Elon Musk recently asked some AI, what was the most woke company on the planet? And the answer was, Disney. So no surprise. Absolutely. There. Had you actually gone in the in the Disney store at all? No, no, not at all. It was an I walked by the store well. to go to a camera store just to get a, a, a selfie stick thing that I needed for my phone and a tripod. 
but no, I hadn't been in the store. It was an outright lie. And this police officer tried to intimidate me. He threatened to arrest me if I went even near the Disney store on a public street. And I said, please do. I would love to get arrested. It'd be great for my campaign. <laughs> and right away, I that, that I, I noticed a very subtle shift in his body language. I put him on his back foot a little because he was trying to intimidate me. And honestly, that would be great for my campaign. It would get media all around the world. People would see me getting arrested for having calm conversations about kids getting sterilized and mutilated. And nothing's going to happen to me. I read the laws before I went there. He actually misquoted his own laws. But putting him on his back foot like that, he ended up talking to an Irish man for about 15 minutes and then just got out of there. So the intimidation didn't work. But I'm going to go back there very soon in the next month or two because I specifically want to bring attention to that hate speech bill that they have going through um, the Irish legislature there, because that's the most dystopian hate speech bill, I think, in existence in the West. And we can't let that go into effect because it's just going to spread to other countries and it'll end up coming to Canada as well. I, I, I agree. If, if anything, I'm glad that they picked Ireland for it because Ireland will kick off. I mean, Ireland will not cop that. If there's one country in that part of Europe, you know, uh, that I thought would kick off, it would be Ireland, and that will be the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I, I believe that's the case anyway. They they won't cop that much. They've copped way too much as it is, and I think they're going to fire up sometime soon, and it won't take much. Um, mate, so he, all this indoctrination, what's going on in the schools, and, you know, we kind of get distracted with, you know, this whimsical, I want to be and I think I am, but at the end of the day, I mean, you just said it. It's about sterilisation and mutilisation and, and just extreme health issues these kids are going to have. And that's at the core. This is why you're you're trying to protect them. And that's all it should be about. Yes, these kids are technically being turned into anorgasmic, lifelong pharmaceutical patients, forever reliant on some external source of hormones. They're sterilized. They'll never be able to have a family of their own. So they're getting all this love bombing right now, like when you enter into a cult and you get all this attention and they get all this attention from their peers and people on social media. But life's a long time. And these 15-year-olds are going to be 25. And all these friends they have now aren't going to be around. They're going to be starting their own families. And they're going to be lonely. And they're going to be dealing with more medical problems because they stack up over time. After four or five years' use of testosterone, these girls have to get hysterectomies. Sometimes they're cutting out their ovaries as well. So now they can never produce estrogen. The president of WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, admitted that none of the boys who start on puberty blockers at the beginning of puberty, have been able to have an orgasm as an adult. So they're destroying their future adult sexual function. And they're doing this to 10-year-old boys who can't even conceive of what that means at all. How can they possibly consent to this? They can't. So that's why the sign I wear in my front says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. It starts a lot of conversations. The one on my back is my definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. And that's what we got to do today as parents. We got to put a stop to this because this is basically a huge cult that's permeated all of society. It's another mass psychosis as humans are prone to. And we just got to keep creating awareness. And I know in a few short years, we'll look back at this like we look at lobotomies today from the 50s and 60s. Something inhumane with no science behind it. It's the exact same thing with all of this. I, I agree. And all the smart people are looking at it 
like that right now. Um, unfortunately, the rest are going to have to wake up as time goes by. As a father of two girls, I can absolutely see why you're doing this, especially, and God forbid they should ever have to play sport against one of these transgender males. It is beyond horrific. Billboard Chris, Chris Elston, I very much appreciate you coming on TNT today, and you're a champion, fella. And I hope you can come down and bring your billboards down to Australia. Just watch out in Melbourne. That's all I can tell you. I'm coming to Australia, April or May. Good on you, mate. I, I have to meet up. Everybody, that's Billboard right. Chris, Chris Elston, coming to Australia, coming to a town near you, and go up and say good day if you see him. We're going to be back after the news headlines here at TNT, and uh, stick around.